And right now, let's kick off I Love My Church. Let's welcome up our senior pastor, Pastor Chuck Boer. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, and uh, are you guys excited about what's happening around here? Yeah, I really am too. And uh, by the way, that includes online, on campus, on the patio, which is on campus. But uh, I do want to clarify something I'm super excited about. First Wednesday, first Wednesday, we're going to gather together in this room at 6.30 p.m., worship and pray, and online. So all of you who are online, Pam and I want to have a very special prayer time with you. So we'll be all be a part of the worship service, but then Pam and I are going to get with all our online family and spend time with you in prayer, and I think a very special way, so make sure you're on. By the way, that includes you, Lisa Webster, who's watching in Vegas, Sin City, and... Uh, <laughs> I saw that Lisa's on. Do you know what Lisa already did? She already got her I Love My Church shirt. She was putting that on the chat. And so, uh, you know, by the way, everybody online, you get that at crossroadschurch.family uh, and look under shop merch, crossroadschurch.family shop merch. All of you who are on campus today, we will have shirts available out under the cross. And so, uh, you know what? You could grab one. And, and I love, don't you love walking around the community, seeing all the shirts uh, and knowing right away we're a family together. So I love that too. All right, let's pray. Lord, I love my church. This church family is a blessing to me and a gift to me that you gave to me and that I get to be a part of is humbling and honoring and exciting and, and more. And Lord, I just thank you for the incredible way this church continues to be the family it continues to be. And I thank you for your church across the world that we're all family together. And uh, I pray today we would celebrate victory, the victory you bring, the victory you gave, the victory you give, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if I were to ask you what you're afraid of, you would probably name a lot of different things. Some of you, though, are a little bit claustrophobic. You're not gonna like the next section, get ready. Some of you are very claustrophobic. Hang on with me, okay? Because there's this pastor who was known to everybody to be an adrenaline junkie. Now, I mean not just a little. Like he did everything he could to always feel on the edge. He rode his motorcycle as fast as he could, uh, doing as many tricks as he could. He skydived multiple times. He rock rappelled and, and went off some of the most amazing faces. But he also climbed, free climbed at times just to get that sense of rush and exhilaration. And then he got what he thought was going to be maybe the ultimate. Uh, he had the opportunity to fly in a fighter jet. Uh, not fly it, but to do all the things in it, you know, uh, with the other cap, the other pilot flying. And, and so he was telling about that one day. And a guy went up to him and said, uh, Pastor, so you, you think you've had the biggest rush ever? And he said, I, I think maybe I have. And he said, well, there's something bigger. Something that's going to get your heart going more. And he said, what is that? He said, spelunking. And the guy, the guy looked at him and said, I promise you, 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 you have never felt like you'll feel if you go with me deep inside a cave. 
deep inside a cave. And he said, are you up? And the pastor said, I'll do it. I'll do it. So they got up early in the morning. It wasn't even sunlight yet. They drove way out to where this amazing cave experience would be. Uh, He gave him all the equipment he would need, including the helmet and the light. And uh, so what happened is is they started descending into this cave. And they came to a a place that he, even with this light, could barely see over. And, And he had to rappel down Uh, And he said, I I have to tell you, I don't care. Even though I had that little light showing this much, he said, rappelling off that, man, my heart was going. And then they got to the very bottom. He said, turn off your light. And he turned off his light. He said, I held my hand up. I could not see it. It was that dark. And he said, okay, turn it back on. Let's go. And they started navigating and exploring their way down this cave. And the whole time he did, he thought, you know what, man? This is like, I've never done anything like this. Then they come to a huge walled area. And the guy looked at him and said, the other side of this wall is one of the most amazing waterfalls you'll ever see. And he goes, but okay. And he goes, but the only way to get there. And they look down and there's a little crack. And he said, I I want you, I'm going to go first, and you wait. Don't come until I tell you. But when I tell you, you've got to get on your back and inch your way in. Make sure your arms are by your side. They can't be anywhere but by your side. Tie your helmet uh, and your light to your ankle so you can drag it along. And then you're going to inch your way, worm your way to the other side to be with me. And he said, are you game? And the guy looked at him, and the pastor said, Inside, it was like, no, but outwardly, he couldn't bring himself to say it. So he said, okay, I'm in. So the guy said, all right. So the guy starts worming his way in, up, you know, backwards, upside down, and, and worming his way in. And the pastor's sitting there looking, looking, and the guy disappears. And he can't see him. And it seems like forever that he finally yells, I'm through, I'm through, which the reason that killed him is because he knew that's how long at least it would take him. So he took his helmet, strapped it to his ankle, started to try to get backwards, and he said it was way harder than he thought. He started to go in. His shoulders are already touching the sides. And he begins to inch his way and inch his way, and he gets to a place where his face is rubbing on the ceiling area of it. And he yelled, I don't think I'm going to fit. And he goes, Pastor, turn your head to the side and keep it there. So he turns his head like this and inches more, feeling his ear begin to drag. And as he gets a little further and a little further, all of a sudden it's pressing in on him. I mean, he's jammed in and he starts thinking, I got to get out. I got to get out. But he realizes he can't go the other way. It's one way or nothing. And he yells, I'm stuck. And the guy says, that's just how it is. Don't panic. Don't panic. He said, what you need to do is this. You're going to have to exhale every bit of breath you have and then inch a little and then wait. Exhale more, inch a little and wait. And he starts going and he feels himself literally pressed in. And he's like, and he can barely move and barely move and barely move. And he's fighting everything he can not to scream and panic, not to go crazy because he knows that'll get him in trouble. And then finally, it seemed like forever, he feels his friend's hand touching his head. He said, you're almost here. Do you feel me? You feel me? Don't panic. And he starts through and starts through and starts through. And finally he gets, and the guy's helped 
drags him out and he stands up and he goes, you did it, you did it. And he goes, look at how beautiful this is. And the pastor goes, forget how beautiful this is. Do we have to go back through there? And he said, yes, we do. Have you ever lived their life where you felt maybe more emotionally than physically things closing in on you? The darkness was there and you knew it. And you felt like sometimes it was almost impossible to take a breath. And what you may or may not know is there really is a devil and there really is the demonic. And darkness is all around us. One of the things the Bible tells us is when we become believers, we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And, and so many people find themselves, even as believers, drifting back into that darkness. But so many people are living in the darkness, they don't realize what it's doing to them. I don't know if you uh, are, are like many of us, we love this series by Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And one of the most favored and yet infamous characters in it is Gollum, right? who is, is just literally hideous. Why? Because he's been living in a cave almost all, all of his life. It transformed him into something that wasn't human. It caused him to have appetites that were anything but what would be considered at least godly and, and what God would want for people. And I'm telling you, so many people, let me just say this, so many people who are right outside those doors, but maybe some who are here or online, that describes you. You're in that cave experience and there's an enemy who's come to kill, steal, and destroy and he's doing it to you and he's doing it to your family. By the way, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, after all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. What I want to say to you is when the that when you become a believer, when you become a follower of Christ, you start to be aware there really is an enemy out there. There really is the demonic and the devil. And you realize that the same way he's operating now, he's always operated. By the way, he's, he uses the same ploys, the same strategies. Now, he does that in very unique ways to each person. But when you study the Bible, the Bible says we do not want you to be oblivious to what he's doing. We don't want you to be ignorant of his schemes. So what does that bring us to? How does that have to do with I love my church? Get ready. Jesus was doing ministry with the people he loved the most. And he looked at them one day and he began to let them know we're going to go on a journey. They would travel 30 miles hiking. 30 miles going from where they were and around the Sea of Galilee, and they, they would go on a very, very difficult hiking journey. By the way, uh, right now, we typically take a bus on this journey to get you to a place like this, but back then, and, and by the bus ride feels long, walking this would not have been easy. Even though it was 30 miles, it would have been 30 difficult miles through, by the way, some of those beautiful places ever. Uh, on this particular hike, as you get up in this area, you would begin to see this incredible, beautiful, raging river, and you would have to navigate your way through that. And then as you got on the other side of the river, you would come here to Caesarea Philippi. 
Caesarea Philippi. This is a modern day picture. Uh, but back then, it was a, a, a bustling area where, where people crowded in and, and couldn't wait to be there. It was the Las Vegas of its day. It was the Las Vegas of its day. And this cave here, by the way, would have had a big outcropping. And there would have been four temples, one of which would have stood in front of this cave that would have been there. Four places of worship, uh, three temples and a grotto that was right there. And people went there uh, to indulge in every bit of fleshly things that you can imagine. Everything you could experience in that moment. Uh, there were prostitutes you could buy. By the way, women and men who were being trafficked, they were almost all slaves and they weren't free. And there was a form of sex slavery, which by the way, don't you know that's taking place today? There were drinking parties, there were drugs. Uh, and, and then there was this huge outcropping cave, which I'm gonna talk about in a moment. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you. Back then and today, do you know what this place is called? The Gates of Hell. There's three places I know of, but this is the most famous that are called the gates of hell. The gates of hell. And Jesus took them on a 30-mile hike, a 30-mile journey, so they could be right in the midst of some of the most depraved ways that people could possibly act. Depravity at its greatest, at its most public. And he on purpose wanted them there to teach them a lesson you and I need to embrace and you and I need to live by. So why would he go there? By the way, he only went there one time and he would never return again. He only took them there one time. And as far as we know, they never went again. Nobody. Because this is a place a believer would not go to back then. This is a place they would not be, want to be a part of. Let me kind of show you an artist's rendition of what this would have looked like back in that day and that time. You see, there would have been a temple here to Augustus Caesar. This temple was a place they did emperor worship. And, and I don't know if you're aware of it. It was very, very popular. It was the idea of believing the emperor, the leader of the government, was the person you put all your hope in. It was a place of worshiping politics and government and political leaders over anything else. And by the way, in the Roman world, it was to be the height of worship. Nothing was to come before the emperor. That's why when Christians said these words, Jesus is Lord, it could cost them their life. Because back in that time, only, only the leader, the Caesar was Lord. Now, I wanna have you think about it. I told you Satan uses the same tactics today I hope you're aware that even today he's doing that. Um, right here was the, the, pan, the Grotto de Pan, which led into what would happen in this cave, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. But Pan was the god of hedonism. Pan was the god of drinking as much as you wanted, having sex with anyone, any way you wanted, which our country today celebrates. It's a form of demonic worship. I don't want you to miss that. It was also about indulging in every way to get high and to numb yourself uh, with drugs and drinking. Uh, the God Pan, by the way, who does he look like to you? Anybody have an idea who he looks like? The devil, right? The devil. And so you know what? This is a place to really, truly seek out the devil and to worship him. And so people would do that. Uh, then there also, what would happen is they would, in that moment, 
uh, they would begin to indulge himself in every way possible. There also was two other temples there. One was for Zeus, uh, and one was a temple for Nemesis, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So let's think about that together. Let's go back to the wiles of the devil. Let's go back to the fact we're not ignorant of his schemes. So we're going to go now to Augustus worship. Guys, can you throw that up there? Uh, Caesar Augustus was the first one to declare the emperor that people would worship. And so that huge temple was built to him. And the idea here is that politics trumped everything. Politics was what people committed to more than all. And I want to tell you that today, the devil is doing that in our nation. Because I, want to t- I don't think it's wrong to be political. It's wrong when you worship politics. It's not wrong to be supportive of a leader. It's wrong when that leader becomes your savior. And when you think he's the answer to mankind's problems. And let me say this, Republican or Democrat, nobody is the answer to mankind's problems except Jesus Christ. People have left churches over this. People have, have, got, have declared even other Christian brothers and sisters their enemy over this. You know what that tells you, whether they know it or not. They're giving in to the schemes of the devil and they're worshiping the very thing that he wants you to worship. And you can't do that. You can't do that. Have strong opinions. But here's the strongest opinion of all, that we love everyone, even our enemies. And that's who we've got to be because we can be a culture of hate. Uh, Then what happened is next to the Temple of Augustus, remember I told you, was the Grotto of Pan. And and that's a place, again, where so many people would become uh, celebratory in an outward way. Getting drunk, getting high, having sex uh, of all different persuasions. And today we see that, that we're a hedonistic culture where not only people are doing that in a live setting, we do it online. And and all of a sudden, it's about indulging and and digging in and going to all those kinds of things. And I watch over and over and over again how the abuse of that has created so much destruction. Alcoholism is wrecking and ruining lives. Uh, Addiction to narcotics and drugs is horrible. By the way, I don't care, and, and I, I think we're going to be mostly in agreement. Some of you are not going to agree with this. I don't care if the government has declared it legal. That doesn't make it right. And, and the harm that's being created, why? Because it opens the door to the demonic. The Greek word sorcery, there was, we have the English word sorcery. The Greek word is the Greek word pharmakia. It means using some kind of narcotic or substance to get high. It opens the door to the demonic, to the devil. And so we see that occurring. Uh, Then next to that grotto of Pan was the temple for Zeus. And the temple for Zeus was about power. It was the idea that I have power and that I am going to exert my power against you and, 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 and take advantage of you in any way I can. And so Zeus would be worshipped in that way. And what do we see people doing today? We see people a part of what we call the cancel culture. The idea of saying, you know what, I'm going to cancel people out. This is, again, another scheme of the devil. The idea of of causing people to be seen is not worthy of love, not worthy of dignity, not worthy of care. Just being X'd out. And I've watched whole families during this season divide by the fact 
I know of more than one family that is not going to be celebrating the holidays together because they disagree over the vaccine. You know what? I, I, I don't know what your view is, but let me tell you again. The Bible says, above all, have fervent love for one another. Yeah, and we need to have that. And now we come to Nemesis. Pan and Nemesis are the two that are probably the least understood. Uh, But Nemesis was the God of justice, but also vengeance. You probably have heard the term, you're my nemesis, meaning you're the person who's against me that wants my downfall. Uh, Nemesis was the place you went to to curse people. It's, It's a place you went to to make sure people paid. See, there's so many people that want people to pay and they're giving in again to that idea of bitterness, that root that digs in there. And so people would travel to that place to do that. And so what would happen is they they would experience that in a very dangerous way. But now I wanna go back to something I don't want you to miss. And that is what happens when they came to worship Pan. The belief was not only Pan was the god of sex and and drugs and drinking. Pan was the only God who could cross into Hades or hell and come back. No one else could cross in or come back. And so what happened is Jesus had them standing there where they looked at that great rock area that we see at Caesarea Philippi. And so what happened is without a doubt, even then, everyone's attention was drawn right here to the gates of hell. And what would happen in that particular place? What would people see when they came here? They would practice sacrifice, almost always human sacrifice. Please don't miss this. and, And I'm asking you to hang in with me on this one. It was almost always babies. The belief was you would take a baby. The priest would call out the curse you wanted or the pleasure you wanted. They would throw the baby in, and back then the river was strong in this area. And if the baby uh, hit, it would be brutalized by the rocks in the river till it died in a painful way. And then they would go and look. If there was no blood, that meant your sacrifice was accepted. If there was blood, you had to do it again. And you had to do it again. Now remember, Satan is doing nothing new. Today, we live in the United States in a culture that says you can take the life of an unborn baby so that you can have pleasure. You could take the life of an unborn baby so you aren't inconvenienced. And we call that, our country calls that a right. And God calls that a mortal sin. And you can't miss that. Biblically, there's no area for disagreement on this. But we're living in a culture today that that's the reason why abortion's practiced. It's a multi-billion dollar industry making money, preying on women who don't realize they're being preyed on. And we need to know that God looks at that and he's angry at it. And he's angry at the destruction that comes, the things that occur, the things that happen in people's lives. And so we just need to be aware of that. And it's all about worshiping something Jesus doesn't want worship. So why did Jesus take the apostles there for this moment? Why did he travel to a place so degraded, so depraved? And it's because there they were worshiping every one of the deeds of the flesh. 
Galatians 5.19 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're clear. They're easy to see. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, this very place Jesus took them to, they were practicing these very things. By the way, let me just tell you, because I think you might even want to jot this down. The first three deeds of the flesh are sexual. And the Lord says, stay away from those. Why? Because these sexual sins rob you of intimacy. They rob you of the ability to understand true intimacy uh, in friendships or in marriage or in family. Why are so many people so lonely today? Because we're a sexualized society that does not understand how to have true intimacy in a healthy way. Those three, those three deeds of the flesh do that. Uh, The next two are sins of the soul. The first are sins of the flesh, sexual sins of the flesh. The next two are sins of the soul. Uh, And God's warning you that they will poison your soul and they're insidious and how they dig in, and what they do to you. And so God wants you to be aware of that and not get caught up in those two. And what are those? Idolatry and sorcery. And sorcery is what? Pharmakia. Using drugs to take you to a place that's not natural or good. And uh, opening you up to something demonic. Um, Then the next 10 are social sins. Now, I don't want you to think that the idea of social means that they're lightweight. These 10 ruin relationships. These 10 ruin your promise and potential. These 10 take away everything uh, from you. In the end, they they keep you from being you and living out life the way you would deep down want to and how you are meant to live. So 15 deeds of the flesh, 15 evil things people practice, all of which were worshipped at Caesarea Philippi. That's why Jesus went there. That's what he wanted them to see. That's what he didn't want them to miss out on. And interestingly, he's in a place of some of the greatest darkness you could imagine to talk about the light that will make a real difference, which brings us to what happened. In this place, he asked them the most important question you and I will ever be asked to answer. We're all asked to answer this question, by the way. But he would start with his friends. He would start with the apostles. And what was that question? Some of you already know. It was, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do people say that I am? When you stand before God, how you answered that question determines everything about your eternity. But now in this life, how you answer that question determines everything about do you live life in a way that would be what God wants for you out of love, out of care. Uh, I like how the message words this because what happened is Jesus looked at them and said, who do men say that I am? And said, some say you're a prophet and, and some say you're this. And then Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said these words, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep out. Do you see why he took them there? Do you see why? I don't want you to miss it. He's standing there. I bet money they could see every one of those temples. They could probably see at least some of the practice if it was in the daytime, all of the practices that were going on if it was night. And he said, so who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he said, do you see all this around you? None of it will stand against my church. None of it will stand against my church. Yeah. By the way, if you go to Caesarea Philippi today, do you know what you see? The temple of Augustus, you can hardly find any of it. It's in ruins. The grotto of Pan is destroyed. The temple for Zeus and Nemesis are gone. And guess what? The church is thriving like it never has before. And Jesus wants you to know something so expansive and so filled with energy. That's what it says in the message. The energy and the expansive power of this church, Jesus said, I want you to be a part of. I want you to be aware. And it all has to do with understanding who I really am, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And in Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him, to Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever ever and ever. Where is this glory found in the church? And let me say this. I love the church and I love my church because the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And we're going to see that happen. (laughs) Key in on the word gates. The word gates has an idea with being a defensive area. Like you never ever get up in the morning and see the gate of your house walking around the neighborhood. You know why? Because it's stationary there to keep something out. And what Jesus said is, nothing is going to stop my church from going on the offense against sons that are so evil and destructive and bad and horrible. Jesus wants you and I to know that. And he wants you to know you have a power within you that is that incredible, that's that amazing, and that you should always know is ready to work within you. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. And so that's true of you individually. It's even more true when we gather together in unity. When we gather together with the greatness of the Holy Spirit working within us and using us. And you know what's interesting? In 1 John 5, 19, it says these words. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. See, I want to tell you that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But he who is in the world has the world in his hands. When you see evil in the world, you and I should not be surprised. Why? Because this world belongs to the devil right now. But the church is going to take it over. The church is going to make inroads within it. The church is going to enact things that are incredible. And by the way, uh, the Roman Empire was considered invincible. Do you know who defeated the Roman Empire? The church. We did. In 300 years, they took over the Roman Empire. How did they do it? They didn't do it with hatred. They did it with love. 
By the way, the Roman Empire practiced the idea that you could put a child to death at any moment. When a baby was born, the baby was held before the father. If he gave thumbs up, the child lived. If he gave thumbs down, the child died. The way they usually killed it is just threw the child by a river or somewhere to be exposed. Do you know what the early church did? They went out and picked up those babies and loved them. They went out and showed love. Yeah. There were two huge plagues that hit within that 300 years. And I want to tell you something. The church was not afraid. What did they do? They went out and cared for people. They went out and loved on people. And it was remarkably different than how everybody else acted with their fear and hatred. By the way, are you catching where we are today? Where the church today should not be afraid. But we should be filled with faith and go out and show care. So Jesus' great desire is you and I would know that. And that people would be set free. And I love this church because we're seeing that occur. I love this church because we're seeing that happen. And that's what God's great hope is for you and for me. And it's happening. It's happening. Vince is someone who was being destroyed by the darkness. He was being ruined by the deeds of the flesh. And everything he wanted and everything that mattered was going to be destroyed. And he knew it. And I want to tell you, this church was a part of him being set free. Watch this. My life before Jesus was an absolute struggle. I hated the life that I was living. All of the mistakes that I made were coming to pass really quickly. It seemed like everything I did, I tripped and fell into a deeper hole um, and I couldn't get out of it. I had a whole bunch of anger issues. I've broken numerous bones from punching and hitting things. My parents divorced when I was younger and I thought my parents had like this magical relationship. I felt like it was my fault and I never really learned how to deal with that. It was pretty difficult. I got married and had a kid myself and I ended up divorcing. Uh, I made a whole bunch of mistakes and was supposed to spend 13 years in prison. I lost my rights to my daughter and I haven't seen her since she was six months old. And that little girl was my pride and joy. And then because of that, I just, I went straight to drugs and alcohol, um, got mingled with some people and the next thing you know, I was in the marijuana industry and I learned how to grow. I learned how to do everything that was involved with it. And um, there were points where you start working for certain people and eventually they get what they want from you. And once that happens, you know, you get the gun to the back of your head and, and they tell you, thank you, we don't need you anymore. I hated my own life. I hated everything that I did in life. If I could take one thing back, it, that would be my main thing is not hurting all the people that I hurt. Um, and I just remember one night just being just way too much to drink, way too much to smoke. I was watering my plants and just having this one-on-one -on -one conversation with God, trying to, like, it's time to get over this. It's time to stop doing this stuff. I got down on my knees and I begged God to show me a sign, to show me that you're real. The pain was so horrible, I just couldn't take it anymore. The next day I woke up and, you know, doing my usual thing and 
started smoking and went to go drink and walked into my room just to make sure everything looked good, just double check on it, and all my plants were dead. <laughs> it, it just, it was a complete shock. You prayed to see me, you prayed to experience me. Here you go, there's no other way that all those plants would have died. And that was my breakthrough. You know, you experience so much pain and so much hurt, and then you get Jesus in your life and you start experiencing joy for the first time. Nothing like waking up every day wishing you'd die to waking up every day and just, God, I love you so much. Um, I've never experienced such love before. I got out of the industry just little by little. He directed my path. I have my own life group that I've been blessed with. Um, and through that, I have families that I'm very connected to, that we love each other. We're able to talk about Jesus with each other. We're able to pray for each other. I've been doing kids ministry now for three years. I've missed like maybe two days and I was hooked the first day that I got into it. He directed my wife's path. My kids were angry. In the moment they saw me experiencing Jesus's love, I saw that their anger was immediately taken away. I saw that it just wasn't me that was getting fixed, but it was my family. Yeah. Okay, how many of you love God's sense of humor? He killed every one of those marijuana plants. And I think he did. I, I think he did, and so does Vince. But in the destruction of that came life, came love, came a brand new person and a brand new creation. And I love the church, and I love my church, Crossroads, because we love seeing people come to know the love of Christ. We love seeing people come to experience him. And uh, that may be you right now, either here or online. That might be you. That right now in this moment, you need to open up your heart to the Lord. Because you know what? Those deeds of the darkness are deeds of destruction. But there's what we call the fruit of the Spirit that is fruits of life. Uh, the destruction ruins you, your relationships, and your potential. But when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus forgives you and cleanses you of all your sins. The failure you've experienced does not define you. The pain you've gone through doesn't determine who you are. It all changes. Why? Because of the power of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again and establishing his church and the gates of hell fall and you become free. And God wants that for you. Yeah, God wants that for you. So right now, if you're here or online or on the patio, what I wanna tell you is we are hoping you'll say yes to Jesus. And how do you do that? The Bible says there are two steps we take to begin that journey of walking with the Lord like Vince did. The first is to pray to really say to the Lord, I want to give myself to you completely. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can do that. The second is to make it known. The Lord wants you to be so, so excited about what he's just done in your life, how much he loves you, that you want everybody to know that. And so if you're online, we're going to want you to text amen to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes. And I hope you do it. 
I hope you do it. Right now, just get ready to do that. By the way, if you're here, we're going to ask you whether on the patio or in here, that after we pray the prayer, if you say yes to Jesus, we're going to sing, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand and sing. And if you pray that prayer and mean it, I'm going to ask you to make your way to the stairs or make your way to an aisle or make your way from outside and come in. Walk down one of these aisles and let us greet you, and then head in this room we call the living room. And we're not going to keep you long, but we want to give you a Bible, and we want to share next steps for you to take so you can get closer to the Lord. So today, right now, I'm praying some of you will say yes to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I pray right now that for some, this is a moment where they're going to be set free where they're going to know love, where they're going to know what they're meant for and what you have for them. So I pray right now, Lord, for you to touch them. I pray for someone online who's sitting there and this is their time. They can identify so much with what they heard today. And they know, they know that if they keep going on the path they're on, that Lord, they're never going to be free and they're never going to be happy, but it can all change today. It all change right now. I pray for people who are here on our campus, Lord, that you're stirring in their hearts. And that now is the time to really get real with you and have you be real to them. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray, Lord Jesus. Just say those words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you can say, say it. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text AMEN to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.